Hey, this is Pam Perry, publisher of Speakers Magazine. Today's cover story is coming to you live. We're going to be talking with Judge Liana Lloyd. So right after this, we're going to bring up, I'll tell you a little bit more about her, and then we're going to bring her up so that she can talk to us. All right, so we're going to be talking with Judge, but I want to read you the formal bio, I guess it will, so you kind of know a little bit what you're in, in store for. So Judge Leonia J. Lloyd has personified, dignified nobility, moral leadership, and legal precedent as a lifetime humanitarian. For over 40 years, her firm and fair voice has reverberated throughout her hometown of Detroit, Michigan, the law offices of Lloyd and Lloyd Attorneys at Law, as well as her transformative courtroom of the 36th District Court, one of the busiest courtrooms in the United States. One of the main, one of the main people and for the people that she's what she's known for, Judge Lloyd's decades-long dedication in trailblazing service has deemed her as one of the most diligent unifying, protecting, and entrusting fighters for the lives and rights of others. Vested in the unwavering faith and commitment to righteous cause, Judge Lloyd's conscious authority has established riveting pathways for thousands of veterans and Detroit residents. It is her unwavering humility to God, which she attributes to the prevailing career and life experience she's led. Throughout every realm, God has remained Judge Lloyd's principal source of strength, giving her wind beneath the wings during some of the most testing and difficult times, which we'll get into. In her award-winning memoir, uh, An Earnest Body of Work, Your Honor, Your Honor, Judge Leonia Lloyd showcases her steps as a mindful pioneer of community service, guiding the reader at, to an abundant journey of transcending career and life. Judge Lloyd introduces us all to a league of their own, her family and her most significant life ally, her beloved twin sister, the late Honorable Judge Leonia Lloyd, um, paying homage to the tenacious ancestry from which both the Lloyd sisters derive. Judge Lloyd spreads doses of wisdom rich in remarkable fortitude for those who aim to reach their highest potential. With raw conviction, Judge Lloyd details with sheer decisiveness, discipline, and knowledge she and her sister garnered and carried out a life of impact and love. From her story and evolving legacy, you've got to get this on Amazon, Judge Lloyd details, tells, details how she's put forth her worthwhile effort to touch others' lives with purposeful life-changing mission. One person, one trial, one case at a time. Judge Lloyd's exemplary pinning prepares any human spirit for self-achievement. Through countless actions and careful words, Judge Lloyd reminds us all of the responsibility in facing fear and challenges head on and to never, never lose hope and to hold steadfast on to every goal. She really helps others to dig deep within to determine what is possible for themselves. That's so you'll find that when we have our talk that Judge Lloyd speaks 
to the crafting of one's life through the power of a healthy mind, heart, and soul of humility. She is a an embodiment of civic reverence. Judge Lloyd is one who has launched a regal movements in the city of Detroit and beyond. Her prolific message to all walks of life is really a model to successfully conquer valleys and showing others how to climb mountains. So with that, I bring up Judge Lloyd. <laughs> I just adore you. And this cover is hot. This is one of the ones here. This is one of the ones here where we had her on the cover of 2021 of February. So you can go and read that in Speakers Magazine and then the book. Now, I have one of the versions where there's only one of the awards on there. So, but there are many, many more awards that that you have won that I just like, it's like, whoa. I mean, every time you were telling me that there was another award, I was like, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. So it's been five. It's been five awards. And that is remarkable. Uh, one of the awards, well, obviously the one that's on here, the first one I think was the book. Um, Excellence Award. That was the winner uh, in uh, for motivational category. Then the Paige Turner Award. She was a, uh, a finalist there for the screen adaption category. The New York City Big Book Award. That was one of the ones in the category motivational. Again, distinguished favorite. The Black Authors Book Award finalist, and that was in 2021. And then the last one that, that was in the inspirational motivational category, obviously, that was the Independent Press Award. So all of these awards and, you know, it's like everybody who reads it is like enamored, like really, really enamored, like, oh, my God. Like, I got to pull this back a little bit, but it's like, oh, my God. So, yeah, that that is it. That is it. So tell us a little bit about, uh, I guess you would say, one of the things that I love that you and your sister did so many things together. And when she tragically, unexpectedly passed, um, that, that whole story, um, the whole situation just was unremarkable. And I remember you said at the funeral that um, there was a pastor that said that she's going to be okay. You know, she's going to still be here. She's still got work to do or something to that effect, because it just, when I talk about how close you guys were, not only did you all were the the first set of twins to ever sit on the on the bench at the same time, but you lived down the street from each other. You were in legal <laughs> together. You were both teachers at the same time. I mean, it was like it was like you were close. You know, most twins are close, but just extremely close and th physical close because you were always like together. And right. uh, so, tell us a little bit about first of all, how long did it actually take you to write? Your honor, your honor. So that is that really is a big shocker to a lot of people. And this is how long you picked it back up and and that sort of thing. How long did it take you to write it? Well, you know, Pam, it was, you know, every time my secretary mentioned and it, it had been 10 years after, you know, she had passed. And I kept saying, I am, I am. I promised, promised myself, I promised her I was going to do this because we were going to do it together. But every time I sat down and I started to try to make an outline, I started crying. And, and, you know, and then I said, let me approach it differently. Every, every Christmas holiday, we had two weeks off and she would expect me to do something at that time. And I would, I would gather pictures. I said, I'll, I'll approach it this way. And uh, again, the tears would flow because the memories are there attached to those pictures. When uh, I did let a lady do a screenplay 
on me uh, at the suggestion of my entertainment lawyer. Um, and that made me have to answer questions and that made me have to dig up, you know, history of us for her. And, uh, and that forced me to do that. And uh, the, even though the tears flowed, I had to give her the answers. So I had went through that part, but the screenplay uh, was fine, but it did not, because of the limitations of a screenplay, it didn't capture everything I wanted it to capture. Mm -hmm. I still wanted to write that book. I told him that. And I said, I want to write that. That's <laughs> <Right? laughs> it. Because I said, we want, we wanted people to understand that life is going to have problems and it's going to have pitfalls. And they have to understand we weren't born with a silver spoon in our mouth. A lot of people thought we were, that we were coddled, we were this. Nope, nope, nope. That totally is wrong. Um, just the opposite of that. And that we had things hitting us in the face all the time. Um, a lot of people may have given up at certain points when we were trying to do things like law school and things like that, mm -hmm. uh, with everything going on around us, but we, we kept going. So, you know, I, I had to get this message out. I had to let people know that when they first hit a brick wall, they just can't stop. They might have to change some things. They may, it may not happen when they exactly want something to happen, but it doesn't mean stop. And to me, that message was important. It was important to Leona. It was important to me. And so I said, uh, you know, he asked me, he said, are you going to write your book now? Yeah. I said, yeah. And uh, I, I attempted with a ghostwriter, but I ended up doing it myself. And, 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 uh, and for people to know, too, it's like, well, she did it herself. But one of the careers she had before that was really went to school, went mm -hmm. um, for to be a teacher. And then she taught English and she taught speech at the same time. So writing the book was that wasn't the hard part of writing like she could write but it was just all the emotions of everything that she had to right. put into the book. Um, her and her twin, uh, Leonia, um, they were, you know, they had a model that said, have a dream, make a plan, start working toward that dream until you accomplishment. Don't right. let anyone turn you around. Let no one turn you around. And, right. and that was one of the main things that they always said. And so, they knew education, both of you guys knew education was a key that could unlock the doors to where you wanted to go. And so right. by leaving um, this, uh, you know, when she left, when she died unexpectedly in uh, was it 2001, it was 2001. Correct. Correct. And then you started a scholarship fund, the Twins for Justice, because that was one of the campaign slogans that people had always said, you know, Twins mm -hmm. for Justice, and they said that about you guys sitting on the bench at the same time. Um, it's very rare that um, Black women become judges, and then it's very rare that two twins become judges at the same time, sitting on the bench at the same time, too. So that was just like the whole thing. So the, the uh, Wayne State University endowed the scholarship, the foundation, scholarship foundation. And so it is the Justice, um, Twins for Justice Foundation that's endowed there. And, and really the whole purpose of um, the scholarship is what? What is the purpose of the scholarship? Number one, um, we wanted students that didn't come from a lot of money, uh, but were, you know, they were good students. You didn't have to have a four-point average. Uh, you know, we looked at the fact that you might be a 2.8 student um, uh, that tells us that you have the ability, but if you were taking care of your little sisters and brothers because your mother had to work, 
because it's a single family home mm-hmm. or you got a little part time job to bring in money to help the family because, mm-hmm. you know, it, you know, you don't have a formal family. Mm-hmm. And I taught kids like that. You know, I saw that mm-hmm. at Cass Tech. I saw kids that mm-hmm. were withdrawn because of the family structure they came from and made them a little uh, I, I not. They weren't confident of themselves, but they, they kind of mm-hmm. cowered. And I brought those kids out. So now I'm looking at what I'm, what can I create that that represents what we want. And that means you reach out and you get those kids that that everybody got 4.0 getting a scholarship that want one. You know, they apply, they get them. Yeah. But, but, but what, about, what about the kids that grew up in Detroit? What right. about the kids that have Detroit as their home and they want to reinvest back into Detroit? That's the kid we want. That's the mm-hmm. kid I said it's got to get the scholarship, you know, at least be in line for one of them. And uh, that's what I wanted. And that's mm-hmm. how I drafted it up. Uh, you've got to tell and, me. And you don't take the money and run, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And you and the fund is already giving away 20 scholarships. And that's really to help those students, like you said, that have financial need, um, right. whether they they are ten, uh you know, have at least a 2.75, you know, in order to go to law school, because you know how hard it is for, I think you told me something when you were in school, the attrition rate for black students was like, what, uh, 10% or something like that, 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 you know, they don't stay. And Mm -hmm. 20, 30 years later, you told me it's the same. Right. It's the same. Right. It's, it's in money, the money, it's a lot to do with it because yeah. uh, it's like uh, it's like over eighty thousand to go to law school now for, for for the three years, and I looked at that figure and I said, "Wow!" I said, "It didn't." I don't even think I paid eight, and I was struggling. I said, "Yeah, because you and your sister put yourself through undergrad and grad school." Yeah. Well, you yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah we did mm-hmm. we did, and and even then that was it was tight for us. You know, right. it's true that. You know, folks didn't make as much money then as they make now, so things didn't cost as much. But it didn't; it wasn't nowhere near that. So I, I, you know, that you also worked when you and your sister were you all working at a fast food place? No, we 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 did work at Hut. We did have Hudson's jobs. You know, selling uh, items at the Hudson's, uh, like like a Macy's. We did Mm -hmm. that at Christmas time, and and you know what? I think that's good for young people to do that because. I said, let me go make a little Christmas money. And this, you know, so I, I had took the test. I knew I was going to pass it. I, I'm in college. I, I'm not I'm not a dum-dum. I'm going to pass this test. And uh, we had that's when it hit cash register. So you had to make sure everything tallied out evenly. Otherwise, they're taking it out your money. I didn't have a problem with that. But, but standing on my feet from 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock, I had a problem with that. And I said, uh, I remember the first day, it was on the weekend, and the first day, standing that long, uh, selling stuff to people, and I was selling fancy hairbrushes that had gold handles and silver trays <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. Leona was at Northland, and she, I was downtown, and she was at Northland, and she was in the fashion department, because remember, they knew we, we had been models before, mm-hmm. and now we were in school, so she, they, they put her there, and she's helping people get stylish and pick out. So it's fun for her. It wasn't fun for me. And I said, <laughs> but she still had to be on her feet too. Right. And, uh, you know, and I said, I said, okay, after, after that first weekend, I said, this is not what I want to do. 
I am making sure I finish school because I know I am not cut out for this. You know, my, <laughs> That's my true. Well, we know what we don't want to do. We make sure oh, that yeah. we don't do it. It's like, I'm going to finish law school. I am going to get myself together. I'm going to finish uh, first first Billings College. And I'm going right. to do because even teaching, you have to get a certificate, right? You got to do the internships. Right. I mean, it's a lot. When I think about what you and your sister did, that was a lot. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and the thing that um, you really love speaking and inspiring uh, students, especially law school students, law school students, because one of the things is that you just want to encourage them, especially in the time that we are right now. It's like a lot of racial injustice and you want more black students to be you know, Crump is good, but there could be other Crumps out there, Ben Crump, you know, out there that can yeah. really be shaking the trees and, and making right. things happen. But they've got to get through law school first in order to do any of that. Um, right. One of the topics that you like speaking about um, when you're keynoting and that sort of thing is let your brilliance come out to play. Kind of tell us a little bit about what that what that's about, like make it come out to play. Well, you know, people... What I found out in, in the courtroom uh, and, and seeing so many people come through the court building is that people are really struggling with their self-esteem, uh, their self-identity, their um, self-compassion even, their self-acceptance even, okay? And I want people to believe in themselves again. Believe in yourself. Never, never, never think it's too late to begin. And, and never black people. Because one right. of the things that being um, Black, uh, in today's society, and then especially when you grew up in the '60s, you know, growing up during that time, they think, man, it's you would think that it was easy back then, or easier now than it was back then. It's kind of like, I mean, we just had a situation where someone, you know, supposedly came into a grocery store and just shot right. up a bunch of black people, right. and it's just like we're not talking like '60s. We're talking like. Right in a new millennium or, right. or just in a church, you know, just right. happened like back to back. So it's like really the, the justice system, all of those things. And, and judge, I saw this too. And I know you speak a lot of political commentary as well, but when there are situations where there is a apprehension of a black person, they may get shot. Right. And they, we don't even know they haven't gone to, they haven't gone before a trial yet. And it's just like the police. Which, but these people, they just quietly just arrested this man. And he shot like, what, 10 or 12 people. Right. And we know that he shot them. And it's just like we arrest. I'm like, oh, my God. And so all the uproar, you know, for when we talk about, you know, there has to be restorative justice and that sort of thing. But it, it, a lot of it has to do with so many racism that needs to be uprooted and right. um, racism wears down on what you just said on people's self-esteem right that's um, why it's important we elect the right people in the right positions because they have a lot of power hmm. be it in the prosecutor's office uh when they're even charged be it the judge on the bench who is sitting there and listening to cases um you know are they going to do the right thing uh, sometimes you see cases that just blatantly the judge just seems to ignore what the evidence was and comes out. Uh, and then you see one that follows it and he follows it to a T. And then he gives a little commentary about 
this is, and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about the Aubrey case now, okay? Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about mm -hmm. when they shot that boy down, but it was what that judge said. And I was glad he said what he did. I was more like that kind of judge on the bench. If you did something wrong, I don't care if you were a cop that did something wrong or if you were an individual that did something wrong, it made no difference to me. You know, I'm going to say something to you and uh, I want you to understand why you're here. You know, and, and you might think you were right doing what you were doing, but I'm going to show you a totally whole picture so that you see where you fit in. And I've had a lot of people say, I'm glad you explained that to me because I really felt this way before coming in here. Or an officer who's just disrespectful to people. You know, if you want to lock somebody up, fine. If you want to charge them, fine. If you want to give them an order for them to all move to the side, fine. But don't call them out their name. Don't right. disrespect them. Because right. if you can't came in my courtroom, you're about to be checked, boo. You're going to be checked. You're right. going to. I had one officer, after he admitted he did it, he said, can I apologize to her? I said, I expect you to do it. And, mm -hmm. he, and he shook her hand. He put his hand out there. He said, please, please, I apologize. I will not ever do this again. And the lady said, that's all I wanted. I pled guilty to the charge that mm -hmm. I was in the rowdy group and, you know, we were rowdy, but he didn't have to call me out my name. He mm -hmm. didn't. I'm looking at him and I, I know the name that was called. I don't want to say it right now in the air, but the bottom line was that was totally disrespectful. And it disrespected me as a black woman sitting mm -hmm. there on the bench, listening to that what if I had no robe? What would you do? Mm -hmm. You do the and same thing. Mm -hmm. And one of the things too that um, when you sat on the bench, um, you had this um, way about yourself. You spoke the truth, but you also did it very fancy, so people would mm -hmm. know that you would have a diamond gavel, right? And mm -hmm. and and one of the things you speak on is that the diamond gavel interrupts patterns of failure. And so right. tell us a little bit about what that means. The diamond gavel interrupts patterns of fam failure. And you also had the nails that had the little diamonds on them too as well, like that, that part. Correct, correct. You know, sometimes people, they, they, they're, they're not in the right group going through society, so they're making wrong decisions. And they end up in the courts that I had. I had, you know, drug court. And then I had a special track, and that was for the ladies of the evening that practiced prostitution because they were drug addicted. And you're not making making the right decisions, okay? But but you got to stop that craziness. You have to. And so my thing was, I got the gavel. I have, this is it. It goes down because, number one, you got to make some decisions because otherwise I'm going to make some. And these are going to be the hardest decisions in your life but it will be one that will change your life. And you know you can't see it now, but you're gonna thank me because mm -hmm. you're gonna mm -hmm. take your life in your hands and you're gonna totally turn it around. You're gonna, you're gonna even shock yourself. Wow. And that's what happened over and over. I had over a thousand graduates over and over and over again. And, to see, and then I started the Veterans Court too to help vets come out of the stuff that they were going through. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's it's a difference, but they still had addictions too based on the service, that based on what they were going through. Don't just have them pop pills and become vegetables and then and just be mummified. I wanted them help so they were vibrant again. Mm -hmm. That's why I cut through the red tape for them. Mm -hmm. So 
you know, that's, you know, the whole thing is I want everybody's brilliance out to play. I want you to be right. the most sparkling person you can possibly be. So, I yeah, the diamond gabbit comes in to interrupt toxicity, all those problems that people mm -hmm. have. You know, and one, you know. and one of the things is that um, they always say, you know, you should follow precedent. You should follow precedent. This is, you know, a legal precedent, you know, that kind of thing. But the thing that you did is that I don't follow precedent. I'm going to break right. the mold on how things are done and right. including starting, you know, the drug court in, in Detroit. You know, we're, there's no precedent for that. It was just like that was one of the first one, won a lot of awards for that sort of thing. But one of the things you speak on has to to do with don't follow precedent in terms of like if there's been a pattern of failure or people have been a pattern of uh, on on drug addiction or in your family people have been on welfare in your family don't follow that precedent we're going to start a new right. pattern and that's that one of the things good. that you speak about as well because that is that's really really key because people can only be what they see and so you're just giving them showing them another way where they can do do the things and so while you've been on when you were on the bench, you, um, besides winning awards for the book, seems like everything that you do, is like you put your, you put your, your heart and soul into it, right? It's like, mm -hmm. if I'm going to do this, this is what I'm going to do. I will say that when you were at cast, you have touched so many people's lives that went on and did like fabulous things on Broadway and that sort of thing. I mean, just, yeah. just because of that. But the thing of it is, is that you won, while you there, the champion of justice award, the American Patriot award, the treasure of Detroit award and then, you know, acknowledgement from the Michigan Supreme court, all these things within it. And then you come out and you're writing the book and doing the speaking thing. So that's like the next thing, but the next thing that I just really, really see for you as well. And then also doing the, the uh, scholarship foundation as well. Twins for justice scholarship foundation is the screenplay. So, you know, this has got to be, this, this, this book has got to be a movie, right? It's got to be a movie. This is her and her <laughs> on, the, on the cover there. This has got to be a movie. And I'm just rooting for that because I'm ready to walk the red carpet on that and, and be like, Hey, I was part of that. You know, I remember that. Yeah, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's just so much. I mean, people have to really go through the book and read the book and and I told you when I was reading it, I had like tissues there and just like, oh my God. It's like, okay, I had to put it down. I got to blow my nose. It's like, oh my God, I can't read it. My eyes are watering. So it's one of those books, but at the very end, it does talk about a journey through grief to restorative justice, you know, and that's one of the main things that you do and 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 uh, just really restoring people back to their brilliance. That's really, you know, their brilliance. Of, and, and you and um, your sister, both of you guys went through a whole lot of, um, hard times together. And then when she left this earthly realm, you went through a lot of hard times just trying to get through. And uh, 10 years, 12 years after she, you know, you picked up the pen and said, I'm going to write the book. And then you were having, you know, troubles of really finding the right ghostwriter, right? It's like, okay, right. I just, I got to do it myself. And you right. did. And you three, did. Three years, three years of, you know, putting it all together and writing, actually sitting down writing that. Three and, years. Uh, Three, but you know, when I get a letter and I see someone write a comment and I know that this young lady, I used to mentor her when she was in junior high school and then in high school and then for the master's degree. And uh, she said, you know, judge that I laid some things down 
that I wasn't going to do. I put aside, I had, I had kids and, you know, she got married, all that. She said, but now you've sparked this in me again. Thank and you. I'm going back after my dream. And the next thing I knew, she opened up a store and it sells all these different types of things and cards. I even ordered a set off, off of the internet. Oh from her. Uh, and, and it was beautiful when it came in. I said, wow. The, and it was actually hand painted art, art cards that for birthdays and things like that. She's living her dream and her husband's yeah. helping. And he's wow. super talented. But this was a dream this girl had. And if my book can spark anybody mm-hmm. to get out there and do whatever that is that your real purpose is, mm-hmm. you know, because God put it in you. Yeah. So you know it. But, you know, people give an excuse and then they can't do it. <laughs> well, Judge, I, I, I just appreciate you. I just really... <laughs> We got all can I can I cut that off for a second? Yeah, yeah. Okay. (laughs) So we got so right now judges judges uh uh, cutting off. I'm I'm we got clapping and all that kind of stuff going on. But the main thing too is that uh, judgeanyalloy.com. You see it right there. Uh, She will inspire your group, your nonprofit, your your church, your women's group. the thing that um, you can, we can't say everything in, in 30 minutes, but the main thing is that you want to make sure that you bring her in to speak. Um, and if you're an aspiring law student, um, she'll definitely talk to you. She she mentors a lot of different people all the time. So definitely reach out to her. She's one of those people that you definitely want to have um, in your roster. Make sure that you go to Speakers Magazine too as well. Um, you can go to speakersmagazine.com. You can read this issue and read all about her story there. It says, all rise for the twins of justice. That's one of the things there. So Judge, I just want to say thank you so much for joining us today. This has been so good. This has been really, really good. And I just thank you for being on the Speakers Magazine podcast show. Uh, You're one of the first three shows that we have had. We had Dr. Dennis Kimbrough. um, We had Dr. Danielle Jervie. And now we have you. So Thank you so thank much you for and, having me. Thank oh, you for having continue me. Godspeed to you because you are such an angel and really just, you know, inspiring people all the time. No matter what you're doing, you're inspiring people. So we look forward to seeing more and more from you. And like I said, to tell people there, you know, you're there to mentor them if they're law students and they're like, well, how? or if someone who wants to run for judge and you inspire them to do that as well because you can tell them about what you did for your campaign um that really worked as well first you ran and then your sister ran and then you all you know were on there together so that's really really cool so thank you so much for joining us today (laughs) all righty thank you So that is it for today. We will make sure that you go to speakersmagazine.com and I re-download the issue and we will talk to you next time. We'll bring another cover to life for you. All right, I'm Pam Perry and I am out. Thank you. Bye-bye.